0: That was just a flavour of the changes that our world is uh, embracing, or not, uh, as we uh, as we live through into look forward into 2020. That was focusing on the digital world. Slightly alarmed, I was that goldfish have a longer attention span than humans, and I've got seven seconds to preach a sermon really fast. (laughs) (laughs) Otherwise, I'll have lost you. And also, I just wanted to acknowledge that our young people have stayed in church this morning. I don't know quite what's happened there. I know Daniel's at Deep Cut, but well done for coping with the change. And I do hope there's something in what I have to say for you, and it's not just all aimed at older people. So, but what I'm thinking about today is coping with change. You've done very well. You've all shifted seats. We've had a little bit of palaver at the beginning, where some of you had to come in through the back door, um, and then the young people couldn't go to their group. So we're doing very well at coping so far. But I want to just talk a little bit, before I think more about that, about baggage and luggage. Because uh, my husband Steve and me, well, we are planning to walk the Camino Portuguese or Portuguese Next year. This is a sort of sister uh, route to the uh, Camino de, uh, del Santiago de Compostela. This one starts on the, p- the coast of Portugal, at Porto, the home of port. Good, good start, fortified wine to get us going. Uh, and it makes its way up th- uh, along the coast a bit and then uh, inland and ends up at Santiago de Compostela. And the route goes along ancient paths, the one taken by Queen Isabella of Spain in the 13th century. And it's a sort of spiritual pilgrimage. And it is about 248 kilometers or 150 miles long. Uh, And uh, I said, stupidly, I said I would go. So he didn't have to go on his own. Now, is anyone else here into long distance walking? I think there are a few. You've done what, Ruddy Coast to Coast and other ones like that? Anyone else? Would, would all the, Yep, you've all done the same one. Coast yeah. to coast path, excellent, and, and others. Any others? Yep, Jane? Well, right, Inca Trail and Great Wall of China. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> all of the Great Wall. Right, right. A bit of it. Okay, fine. Uh, yeah, only 300 miles. Only 300 miles. <laughs> fine. <laughs> Ron and Jackie, what have you done? The Thames Path, start to finish. Brilliant. All in one go? In bits. Okay, fine. yeah. And I know Steve, uh, my other half, has done various long-distance walks, the best one being probably the Appalachian Trail, uh, which he did a few years ago. Now, truth be told, I'm not really all that fit, as those who know me well will know, but I do think it's important to push, push ourselves out of your comfort zone now and then, and the Camino Portuguese is meant to be easy walking, so that's why I said I would go. Now, the thing is, Steve is the king of lightweight walking, and he has pruned his luggage down. I've got his rucksack here, excuse me. Here it is. This is his rucksack. He he used this very rucksack to walk the Appalachian Trail. I can hold it with one hand. It is 10 kilograms light. He's got his tent. He's in here. He's got his sleeping bag and sleeping mat. He's got his food and water, his cooking equipment, his toiletries, um, and all his clothes and everything he needs for the journey. So he romps along with his 10 kilogram rucksack. Excuse me, Jesus, while I just put you there. Hold on to that. (laughs) For those of you listening online, I've just leaned it up against a banner (laughs) with Jesus. So everything in his rucksack is balanced the weight against its usefulness, okay? So it's it's all earned its place. Now me, on the other hand, this is what I would rather take. (laughs) Okay? I don't know what this weighs. He's filled it full of lead, I think, but it's really heavy. This is what I call my just-in case. <laughs> I've got extra clothes. I'd have a decent pillow, a nice weighty duvet. I'd have my hair dryer, my hair product, my straighteners, whatever. I'd have spare everything, millions of clothes, a decent towel... Um, and all sorts, and then I'd bring it. Half of it back would not even be used, would it? So this is my luggage. This is my baggage because I don't need it. Okay. So this is the distinction. Steve's luggage, my baggage, and now I'm out of puff. So I'm really going to have to get into training, aren't I? <laughs> so he can romp along happily carrying that. And if I really stupidly took anything like that with me, who do you think would be more likely to make it to the end of the walk? <laughs> Him, yes. Not me, obviously not. So I think um, this example, as we embark on our sermon series on never-changing gospel in an ever-changing world, I just wonder how are we coping with the ever-changing culture that we live in? Are we carrying along only our necessary luggage or are we dragging along behind us some excess, unnecessary baggage. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. So I'm going to just ask Paloma to come up now and give us our Bible reading from Matthew 14. um, And we will have a look at
1: that in a
0: little more detail.
1: The reading is taken from Matthew chapter 14, starting at the 22nd verse, and can be found on page 981 of the Church Bibles. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, "'walked on the water and came towards Jesus. "'But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, "'cried out, Lord, save me. "'Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. "'You of little faith,' he said, "'why did you doubt?' "'And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. "'Then those who were there in the boat worshipped him, "'saying, truly, you are the Son of God.'" This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much, Paloma. Now, they obviously weren't any suitcases or rucksacks in that account, but there are relevant lessons that we can take from it. So here we have Jesus needing to take a little bit of time out after a very busy and intense time, which included hearing the the news of the death of his cousin, John the Baptist, in a really horrible way. And he tells his disciples to get in their boat and to go ahead of him and cross the lake, and he'll meet them on the other side. So he goes up on the mountain, and he spends all night there praying, and then we hear that come about dawn or thereabouts he sees that the disciples are in trouble. Their boat has got a strong wind blowing against it and they're being buffeted by winds and waves and that's an actual boat on on an actual Lake Galilee in the picture not not just a painting or a a mock-up. And other gospel accounts say that actually they were about three or four miles offshore and straining at the oars but making no headway at all. So what does Jesus do? Well, of course, he sets off walking across the lake and he lets the terrified disciples know, it's okay, it's me, I'm not a ghost, don't be afraid. And then Peter spots him and he jumps out of the boat and starts to walk towards Jesus. Now, you know what happens next. Peter loses focus, he loses confidence, he gets fearful and scared and he starts to sink down below the waves and then Jesus just extends his hand and takes hold of him and rescues him now the lesson that we usually take from that passage is that uh, whatever the storms around us jesus can rescue us if we keep our eyes on him but we also usually mainly focus on peter so what about i thought what about the disciples the other the other guys what did they do well they stayed in the boat didn't they they stayed put they stayed safe, or what they thought was safe, even though the boat was actually in danger of being swamped. And not only, by staying put, not only did they miss the opportunity to have their faith strengthened, but actually that boat was going nowhere, and so they were going nowhere too. And if they'd got out of that boat, well, wow, what a story to tell their grandchildren, eh? Can you imagine? Have I told you about the day when I walked on water all the way across Lake Galilee? Yeah, 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 Grundad. Down, down the local Galilean psychiatrist to have his head tested, eh? But wouldn't that have been something amazing if they'd all got out of the boat? So who are we more like when the winds of change blow around us? Are we numbered abo- um, amongst the disciples who just stuck rigidly to what was known clinging on to what they knew, they were fishermen after all, they were in a boat, so they knew all about that, or were they like, are we more like Peter, who was willing to put his trust in Jesus and take that step of faith out into the unfamiliar and the unknown? And looking at it another way, are we so weighed down by our baggage that we're incapable of responding to the changing culture around us? Because carrying baggage, as you saw when I tried to drag that heavy suitcase, makes us inflexible. And it can cause us to resist the winds of the Holy Spirit and the waves of necessary change. So we want to, I want us to look at now what might be unhelpful, weighty baggage and what might be the uh, useful, necessary luggage. Well, I wonder, and I guess perhaps for most of us, the fundamental thing that's baggage for us, it goes goes down at its root to fear. It might be expressed in different ways, but deep down, I'm guessing it's fear. Fear of the pace of change. Fear of the pace of change, which is so fast that we cannot keep up. As we saw in that video, many of us who are older just feel completely bamboozled by the rapidity of change in media and social media and technology. Some of us, I'm ashamed to say, have only just got our heads around email and texting and WhatsApp. Some of us are on Facebook or Twitter. But you know, I hardly dared name the stuff that our younger generations are into because I thought it would probably be out of date by the time I actually stood up here and spoke to you. They've long since moved on to different forms of social media, leaving those other, those other ones I've named to us oldies. Then there's the rise of self-obsession, the culture of me. And that makes those of us who are born and brought up in the culture of us and community feel very nervous. Where is it all going to end when it's all about me? That can feel very threatening. And then there's a real fear in the church. A real fear in the church, I think, to the changes in the world's understanding of things like evolution versus creation of the role of humanity in stewarding, um, stewarding creation, looking around us at the extinction rebellion protests, the state of the world we're in, the doom and gloom, fear around changes in the role of women, maybe, issues of gender and sexuality, issues around the place of marriage in society, or the model of family, that is now being changed so dramatically from even when I was younger. And sadly, the church's response to challenge and change is all too often to retreat, to pull up the drawbridge and to react very slowly or shamefully, not at all. So no wonder church religion is seen as irrelevant to so many people. And and I'll just say that some of these specific issues, as this sermon series go on, some of the ones I've named, we will be looking at. We're at the general here at the moment. We will go on to the specific. But you know, if Martin Luther hadn't challenged the status quo of the Roman Catholic Church, the Protestant Church would not exist. If William Wilberforce hadn't reinterpreted scripture in the Age of Enlightenment, then slavery would not have been abolished. And more recently, if Scripture hadn't been reread with the Emancipation of Women in mind, then I and many others like me would not have been able to, be, to respond to God's call to ordination in the Church of England. So if we fall into the tendency that, that thinking that our way, our interpretation of Scripture is the only way, then we will not be able to engage in the current issues, and we will end up retreating into our fortress of saying, well, that's what the Bible says, so it must be true. End of discussion. Or, at the other extreme from that, we, we see what's going on, we ignore the Bible completely, and simply go with the flow of the changing culture. And someone said to me the other day that that was behaving like a chameleon, just trying to fit in so nobody would notice and neither of these two extremes is the wi- the right way to respond so how do we deal with fear of change well these days i think it's more important than ever to look for god in the unexpected places to find the familiar in the unfamiliar In the Old Testament, we have an example of Jacob spending a whole night wrestling with a man by the the waters of the Jabbok. And after a night of struggle, this wounded and exhausted Jacob dawns on him that the man he's been wrestling with all night was God. And he'd seen God face to face. God will be in the challenges and the controversies that we're wrestling with, but maybe not where we expect him to be. And we need to be on the lookout for where he he is at work and to chime in with it. So when we face fear, we can either run away or we can stay and confront it. The disciples on the boat, in effect, they ran away by staying put, if you see what I mean. But Peter confronted his fear and stepped out of the boat and towards Jesus. So as we look to the Bible to provide us with the answers to the challenge of change... We really need to avoid building barriers to protect the truth as we might see it by deciding there's only one way to interpret scripture, whereas the example of Jesus was to cross boundaries and to challenge preconceptions. And we need to question our perceptions. We need to read scripture with open minds to see what God might be wanting to reveal to us. And be ready to have our long-held views, which might even be prejudices, challenged. You know, in the epistles, Paul talks about the mystery of God, which is a truth once hidden, at the right time, now revealed. And it may be, I believe it is, mysteries that God is wanting to reveal to us now, because now is the right time. So what I'm saying here is that often what we see in the Bible says more about us and our culture than what the actual writer wanted us to to understand. And we can fall into the trap of reading the Bible in a way that suits our point of view and excludes other perspectives. And by doing that, we will fail to take on board how ongoing biblical scholarship is revealing more and more of that mystery of God And how that's expressed in today's world. Now I don't want you to think that I'm undermining scripture here. Scripture, tradition and reason are the three pillars of our faith. I am not at all. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that now. I simply want to encourage us to read scripture open to what God might be wanting to say to us today and to be prepared to have some of our sacred cows blown out of the water to wrestle with God until we see him face to face. What we know about the Bible, which was maybe unknown 200 years or so ago, does not destroy the integrity of the scriptures, but it does mean that we should rightly be asking questions of the texts in the light of modern-day biblical knowledge And so as we go on in this series, we might really need to rethink some of our dearly and long-held views to wrestle with God about them. But that's okay if we hold on to the irreducible core of our faith, which is the gospel. That's okay if we don't drag around a bunch of baggage that will weigh us down but hang on to the gospel, our luggage, which we take with us. The unchanging gospel is what we need to carry with us as we go through in this changing world we live in. And so when I'm talking about being flexible and rethinking our understanding of the Bible, I am not talking about diluting or disposing of the foundational truths of the gospel. A speaker I heard at New Wine encouraged us to be this, both faithful guardians of the gospel and faithful adapters of the gospel. That's an interesting concept, isn't it? Faithful guardians and faithful adapters. The luggage we need to take with us to negotiate the elephant traps of this ever-changing culture is the good news of Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection and his salvation to save us from all the consequences of our sinfulness, of our wrongdoing and selfishness. This church has the saving power of the cross at its very heart and that will never, ever change. This is the unchanging gospel we must fiercely guard. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The grace of God extended to us as the hand of Jesus reached out to Peter. So the best thing we can do is step out of that boat, keep our eyes on Jesus, and follow his example of how to engage in the world around us. And what is that example? Well, he was as radical as anyone was ever before him or since him. He challenged the establishment. He championed the poor and the vulnerable. He preached the good news. He offered compassion and love to everyone who came to him. He built relationships with everyone he came across. And that relationship was based on his close relationship with his father God. Jesus said the most important thing is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. And to love your neighbour as yourself and everything else simply falls and flows from that. Our never changing gospel is all about relationships with God and with each other. But living with Jesus was not easy for the disciples and it isn't and it won't be easy for us And there are plenty of scriptures to confirm that. Here's just one Jesus saying to his followers, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Having a relationship with Jesus confronted his followers with their own ignorance, their own pettiness their desire to dominate, their lack of understanding about the needs of others. He took them places they didn't want to go to, and he turned their worlds upside down. He made them rethink and reevaluate their dearly held beliefs, and he showed them where some of those beliefs were actually prejudices. But mostly, and through all of it, he loved them, and he moved them to love in return. So too for us, dear friends. So too for us. Our journey through life will not be plain sailing. Sometimes it'll be rough. Sometimes the wind and waves will just seem all too much. And sometimes we'll simply yearn for some solid ground under our feet. But are we ready to wrestle? Are we ready to walk on water or will we stick to what we know and hang on to grim death in that boat even though it's going nowhere? If we leave our baggage of fear and prejudice behind and pack up our luggage full of our relationship with Jesus, then we will withstand the buffeting of change and we will emerge safely on the other side where we can say with Peter and the other disciples, Lord Jesus, truly, you are the Son of God. So I want to pray now, and then we will continue with a song as response before we go into our time of prayers for healing. Father God, we acknowledge that sometimes, for some or many of us, All that goes on around us fills us with fear. Fear of the pace of change. Fear for the future. Fear of having things we hold on to dearly being challenged. Fear of having to do things differently. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in all that, you are the unchanging constant in our world. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the never-changing gospel, but help us as we go on in this sermon series to wrestle with interpreting the scriptures in fresh new ways in the light of current culture. Help us not to be afraid of that, but to keep our feet firmly on the rock that is Jesus. And in a weird paradox, may we also walk on water. Amen.